I just want to thank you. Holy Spirit, I give you praise. I thank you for your word. Speak to us tonight and encourage our hearts, oh God, from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I titled this, uh, I think I call it a mini-series, don't know how long it's going to go. Uh, the Winning Faith. The Winning Faith. Many times when we're talking about faith, and when preachers talk about faith, uh, most people say, well, why don't we talk about something else? I've heard a lot of the faith message. It's faith, faith, faith. We like to hear something. Talk to us about how to manage our finances. I mean, you heard about focus on the family. Yeah, it's focus on the family. We talk about the family, how to be a good husband, how to have a good home, how to have everything together. But I'm telling you, you really can't do those things without faith. You can't do any of those things without faith. You really cannot enter into God's rest without faith. And entering into God's rest will take care of everything else. God will take care of everything else. So we have to have the winning faith. Faith is our victory. First John chapter 5 verse 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Notice it didn't say, for whoever, right? Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is a given. If whatever it is you're doing, if there is, if that thing is born of God, is coming out of God, it will overcome whatever is coming at you in the world. Notice people come at you, but situations also come at you. So it's whatever. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcome, that has overcome the world, our faith. It's your faith that is going to overcome whatever Satan is throwing at you. It's got to be through your faith. So let me ask you this. What is the biggest problem in the church today? What's the biggest problem in the church today? If you ask that question, people will say, well, I think the biggest problem in the church is sin in the church. Sin. But I don't believe that sin is really the biggest problem in the church. That's not the biggest problem for the church. The problem is completely different from sin. I want to submit to you that the greatest problem in the church today is what Jesus referred to as, O ye of faith. Weak faith. That's what the problem is. O ye of little faith, we are not strong in faith. Because everything that we do as Christians has to do with faith. It's knowing faith. A lot of people resist the message of faith and they feel like we already understand this message of faith. We have faith. Well, if that's the case, why are your prayers not answered? Why are we not seeing God doing unusual things in your life? That says you really don't understand fully the message of faith. Because if you do, you won't be anxious. 
and worried and fearful. You don't understand the message of faith. Because Jesus said, be anxious for nothing. That's what Paul tells us. Jesus said, take no thought for the morrow, not for your food, not all of this. But we're doing all of those stuff. Let me tell you my problems, brother. And we go on talking about the problems. That's because we, are not, we have not been able to operate in the level of faith that brings us victory. So we are concerned about different things, paying the bills, everything we're concerned about. And we think we're doing very well because we're calculating in the natural and we think this is, this is okay because that's what the world tells us. If you worry about these things and do all of these things, then you'll be, no, God's saying, enter into my rest. Enter into my rest and believe God's word. Sin is not the problem. I'd like to go into that a little bit just to help you with regards to faith. If sin is the problem, then we really, we really need to get into what God says and begin to deal with that so that you can be free. The Bible is clear. That's not the issue. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 and 7 tells us, knowing this, you should know this. This is the fact. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. We have to accept that. Our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with. That's why we were crucified with Jesus, so that the body of sin can be done away with. Now, it's so important that we know this because this is related to faith. As long as you still feel like everything between you and God is not right, you can't have faith. You just cannot have faith. As long as you're feeling that you are not measuring up, which is what we feel most of the time, that there's something wrong, and I can ask you, what is it? You probably cannot put your finger on it. It's just the consciousness of sin. And so you're never feeling like, God ought to do this for me, and you cannot really believe in God in, 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 with the strength that you should believe in him because of this condemnation. You can think about somebody like uh, Gideon. When the angel said, oh, you mighty man of value, what did he say? If God is with us, how come all of this? I mean, he was very bold. He was very bold. He had to see what God was doing. So the question is, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who had died has been freed from sin. If you die, you're free from sin. And verse 11 says, this is important, likewise you also you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. The question is reckon. That's the solution. Sin is not the problem. You're not reckoning. And you only reckon by faith. You got to believe that with all of your heart. Reckon, it says likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed not just dead, dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's where the joy comes in, because sin is no longer the problem. And it's never the problem for any Christian. Every one of you here that I'm saying, you died. 
Amen? That's the truth. You got to reckon that that's how it's actually taking place. And that's faith. And you can only reckon that by faith. And by saying these words over and over and believing in your heart that this is the truth. And then verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law. You are not under the law, but under grace. So sin cannot have dominion. But let me spread it this way. It's so, so important that you take this one principle and generalize it. Take this one, what it says now, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Why is this? Because Jesus bore our sin, right? We died with him, right? And he bore our sin and died with our sins. Well, what's that? <laughs> He died with our sins. And so we died with him as if we paid the price for our sins, but he was the one that died for us because he bore that. Now, Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17 says, When evening was come, they brought unto him all who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirit with his word. And then he said that it might be fulfilled and heal all who were sick. He healed everyone that was sick. And he said he did that to fulfill what was written by Isaiah the prophet. That's verse 17 of Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. He, on that particular evening, Jesus took time to cast out devils with his word. And he healed everyone that was sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and what bore our sicknesses. Just as he bore our sin, he bore our sicknesses. They are the same thing. They all resulted in his death on the cross, both sin and sickness. So faith then, if you believe what the word says, sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because Jesus bore your sins, right? Therefore, if Jesus also bore my sickness, sickness cannot have dominion over my life. It's the same principle. Do we get tempted with sin? Do we fall sometimes? Do you get tempted with sickness? The will fall sometimes. But sickness cannot have dominion over me. It's not only sin. It's also sickness. And also with poverty. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't have to worry about that. God's going to take care of me. I just don't have to worry. When I get there, the provision will be there for me. I just have to get there. Jesus said, only concern yourself about right there. When you concern yourself about there, I mean, I'm not saying not to plan. Do all you can today and let God determine your tomorrow. If you don't do that, you are going to sin because you'll get into worry. And then you begin to scheme and plan. 
on your own with, with fear, not with faith. It's better to plan with faith than to plan with fear because of what you're seeing coming to you. If you don't do this in the future, God is your future. So faith is what brings victory to us. Faith in the word of God. There is a winning faith. Every one of us has faith. The Bible tells us God has dealt to every one of us the measure of faith. But everybody don't have winning faith. Because we haven't grown. Some have little faith. They carry you to the point you, for a while until you start sinking. We have to have that. The winning faith. You know, Jesus taught us how to pray. But he also taught us how to receive. A lot of Christians cannot receive. I'm still getting, trying to know, learn how to receive. Have you noticed how Christians are? And this spreads out into every area. And you, you wonder why you can't receive from God? Yeah, I walk up to you and I give you $100 and guess what you say? Oh, you don't have to do that. I mean, you heard that. And they're fighting to give it back to you. Why don't you just take it and say thank you? And some will almost like, oh, wow. And all they're thinking is, okay, you gave me $100. I'm going to work hard next time. I'm going to try to give something back to you. You don't know grace. You don't understand grace. You can't receive. And the, that kind of attitude is a manifestation of what's inside. That's why we're not receiving from God. Because we don't understand the grace of God. He gives freely. Your job is to receive. The problem is not prayer. Christians pray. Believe me, they pray. And those of them that are not praying, guess what? When trouble whacks them, guess what they do? They pray. Sometimes in their car while they are going to work, they're praying. They don't spend time praying, but when the trouble is come, they pray, I'm telling you, they pray. And they pray fervently because of the pressure. The problem is not prayer. The problem is they don't know how to receive from God. People, Christians, don't know how to receive. We had that problem after we became many, uh, pastors, Angel and I. I didn't know how to receive. I mean, it was tough. And I was paying the price. I begin to, I'm beginning to understand. I went everywhere preaching, and you got... And I have these meetings, like in Georgia. Oh, God, have mercy. It's bad. <laughs> it was really bad. I had a meeting that I went to, and I was wondering what's going on. I probably thought God is testing me, but I really don't know. It was hard. A pastor had to come to our home, Angela, remember that? To tell us, you are ministers now, you have to learn to receive. And I kept telling him, no, we always work for whatever we get. <laughs> That's the way it's been. We don't know this stuff. He said, you got to take the offering. <sighs> That's how stuff. It was hard, very hard. And so I go out ministering, and 
the miracle, some of us, those who were in worship center, Pastor, uh, Pastor Kendall will tell me to testify and I talk about all these great miracles. I go in a church. There was a church that I was in. There was a young girl there that had been so sick for so long. I guess everybody knew about it in the church. Uh, they, they spoke in Spanish. For the most part, they understood English. And I prayed for that girl and she was instantly healed. Pastor, Instead of taking an offering, it got so emotional. I was looking forward to an offering. I needed to do something in Nigeria. He got so emotional, he started crying and then walked away. And I didn't get a penny for it. For all of that great miracle, you know. I was in a church that possibly was up to 700 to 1,000 people. And I start praying. One person gets healed. And the line is so long. And I got to pray for all of them. And then finally, Pastor says, we don't know how to pay you for coming to minister to us. It was great, but everybody waited for, for people. They said they kept going. And Angela called, how was the message? How was the meeting? And I would tell her, the service was great. A lot of people got whatever, healed, saved, and all of that. And then Angela would say, did they give any offering? <laughs> and I said, we don't want to talk about that. Because <laughs> nothing really came out of it. It was rough. And finally, it's possibly, I didn't know how to receive. Just don't know how. We have to learn to receive. All you have to do is thank you. It's not by work. May we are approaching God in the same way. Most times when Christians pray, they're not expecting anything. They don't even expect God to answer. They just go back there and they bombard heaven. Mainly what they're doing is complaining. Just letting God know how they feel. And you know how it is with us. After you've said everything you want to say, you kind of feel good, right? And they feel good after they've complained and they walk away expecting nothing. They really felt good about complaining about what's going on. I just want to just... Let everything out before God. No expectation. Christians are not believing God. So the problem is really not with praying, but the ability to receive from God. And it shows in their attitude. That's the important thing. The way we approach these things. This is the principles of faith. And the Lord's shown us these things in the scriptures. If you really, many times we're thinking, well, if I had Jesus right in front of me, then I'll believe. No, you won't. You won't. Because Jesus said, it's better if you believe without seeing. That's the greater thing for God. We won't believe. If Jesus was standing right in front of us. But see how the people in the New Testament times approached Jesus when they needed things from him. Many times all he had to say to them was, go. And that was it for them. And if you want to receive Bible kind of blessings, then you must behave in the same way they did in Bible days. Because God is not a respecter of persons. It deals with people in the same way. They came to him believing. 
and we have the same Jesus today. But we don't want all of that. We want all of the feelings and reassurance upon reassurance before we can ever believe. These guys son dying and Jesus said go. And he goes to his home and before he gets to his home, the, his servants are running back and they're saying to him, your son lives. And he says, what time? You know what he was doing? Comparing the time that Jesus spoke the word and when the child, he was expecting it. Just being healed, he's not going to take, well, he just did well. No, I want to be sure it came from him. He connected them both. He was looking for that. That was faith. He had great faith. You know, Jesus talked about great faith and little faith. He had great faith. They believed. Many times we'll pray, but our continents don't change. Because we didn't receive anything. I mean, I'm not talking about receiving the natural. When you pray and your attitude and the way you feel about the problem is still the same, you haven't received anything and nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. If you prayed and you're still worried, after you've prayed, you haven't touched heaven yet. You don't have the winning faith. And these things are not difficult to have. It's just a mindset. I'm going to share with you later, you know, the difference between little faith and some of the things that where doubt comes in and unbelief, all of those things, we're going to be talking about them. But these things are key principles. If you believe the word of God, you're going to stand by the word. I heard a man of God speaking, and some of the ways we as Christians behave is really indicative of the fact that we really don't believe the scriptures. Because we're worried so much. This, I heard this and I got so sad. There was a minister who, I mean, he's like Benny Hinn. Known Oral Roberts and all of those. And he, he meets a Christian and they were talking. And the Christian man said to him, hey, he was so glad to see him, but I got to go now. I have a doctor's appointment. He never asked for prayer. He never asked for prayer. He's sick. But he never asked for prayer. Well-known minister. His mind is not there. Because he doesn't believe the scriptures. I'm going to be sharing something the next, uh, next uh, um, series I'm going to be having on Sunday. Just to help us understand some of these serious issues as Christians, wh what we're doing to ourselves and not really trusting God. It's very clear. And I wonder what God's thinking from heaven. Yeah, you, you have my servant right there for you. He was depending more on his doctor. Nothing wrong with depending on doctor. But if I'm walking around and all of a sudden I'm going to see a doctor and he has been in hand, I think that this is divine appointment. I'm going to kneel, lay your hands on me. I'll still go to the doctor, but I want to go to the doctor and he says, hey, where are you here? Get out of my office. Pray for me. But if you don't ask, that's a clear indication. The Bible doesn't mean anything to you. The word of God, you have a mental ascent 
on what you, be, what you say we believe in the scriptures. I hate the word we believe in this. But you don't really trust what God says for yourself. And the reason for that is you have little faith. We're going to be talking about this. It's so important. We don't change after we pray. We stay with the worry. We stay with all of those. No expectation. We don't expect anything to change. And I said on Sunday in the morning, give us help from heaven, right? The help of man is useless. I read the story of uh, Eli, Samuel, Hannah. You can see that. Eli was a backsliding priest. I mean, and everybody knew about it. The whole Israel knew that Eli and his sons were doing something bad. In fact, the Bible tells us in Samuel, 1 Samuel, that the people didn't enjoy going to the house of God. And there was only one place, Shiloh, at that time, where the tabernacle was. That was the only place. God said, you can't do any form of worship unless you go to Shiloh. And going to Shiloh meant they had to deal with this priest. The Bible calls them sons of Belial. And their father, they cared nothing about the things of God. I mean, they took from God's sacrifice and kept it for themselves. That's how bad they were acting. But Elkanah, he looked beyond that, and he was going year after year, and Hannah couldn't have a child. You know the story. The Bible tells us about Eli, how terrible he was in First Samuel chapter 2. It says, now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Eli knew the Lord, but he was backslidden. In fact, by the time when he died, he was so big because he's been eating from God's sacrifice so much, he fell and broke his neck. And God addressed that. God was saying to them it's in verse 29, he says, why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offerings? In other words, the tithes that they gave they were for the work of God, they were using these things for themselves. Not for the work of God. And the children were taken from the sacrifice that were made, that were, uh, sacrifices that were made for the altar. And they'll take from those. And they were really hurting the people bad. The people hated going to, this, to the place. But they went because God had commanded that. I'm saying all of this for you to understand the setting in which Hannah had to work with God. And she, uh, Hannah prayed to the Lord. And Eli started speaking to her because she was praying to God because she was really hurt and she wouldn't eat. The husband said, why don't you eat? Am I not better than 10 sons to you? She says, no, I don't think so. I need a son. <laughs> You're a good man, but I need my own son. And in that time, that was pretty bad. You have to have a child. If you obeyed God, he gave you a son. And if you don't have a child, that was really a bad thing in that time. And so she wanted the son to remove that curse away from her life. 
But then as she prayed, she was talking to God and from her heart. Her mouth moved, but there was no voice. There was no, nothing heard. And he like turned around and saw her praying. Now he wasn't praying, but he saw this woman in the corner just doing, just mouth moving, but nothing happening. She was passionate, you know, calling out to God. And he said to her, how long will you be drunk? Stop drinking. And he says, put your wine away from you. And Anna answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. Now I'm not drunk. I just have a hard time. You know, God needs to hear me today. It says, uh, I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaints and grief I have spoken until now. Now, this is the verse, verse 17. He says, then Eli answered and said, go in peace. In other words, you don't need to pray anymore. Now, this was a backsliding priest saying to her, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked him. You notice, he never even asked her what the problem was. He just said, go. The God of Israel will grant you the petition that you ask him. Uh, from him and she said let your maidservant find favor in your sight and she was talking to the man of God so the woman went away before she couldn't she wouldn't eat she was very upset now she heard these words she wouldn't she went and ate and her face was no longer sad and nothing has happened she received amen I had to do that change. We read this. This was Old Testament. If your attitude after prayer, now you may not see a priest to say that to you. But what if your pastor says that to you? You're going to believe that? Well, that's just Pastor Goodluck saying that. How does he know God has answered that prayer? Because of unbelief. You don't fully understand. But our countenance changed. And if your countenance doesn't change, that's saying you don't really believe the scriptures. You don't believe what God has done for you. So the problem is not with prayer. The problem is with receiving from God. Now let's share this scripture here. No one deserves to receive anything from God. You, you can never deserve anything. It has to be by grace. It has to be God making it available. God's always giving. And it's our place to receive. You can never get to the place where it's because I've done this, so God's going to give to me. That's never going to happen. It's got to be by grace that we receive from God through faith. That, that's what the Bible tells us. By grace are you saved through faith. It's always going to be that way. If you receive anything from God, it's not because of how you've performed. It's not because of the number of times you've come to church. If you're going to have a winning faith, it's going to be by grace and through faith. That's the only way to receive from God. And so you have to trust God with all of your heart. James chapter 1, verse 8 through 6, uh, from six, eight, I mean verse 6 through 8 tells us, but let him, if you lack wisdom, 
let that person ask from God. But he says, verse 6, let him ask in faith. You must ask in faith with no doubting. And notice he's writing to believers, right? You have to be able to get rid of your doubt. Ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So the, the problem is doubt. Ask in faith without doubting. Ask in faith without doubting. Because if you doubt, you are like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Then it tells you, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Faith without doubt. That's what brings answers from God. Faith without doubt. And I'm going to start talking tonight about, as we close, about little faith versus great faith. Little faith versus great faith. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 28, it says, And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This was the Syrophoenician woman who was asking Jesus for healing for her daughter. She says, my daughter was possessed. And she, Jesus said, you don't take children's bread and give it to dogs. You remember that? And she kept on. And all Jesus said to her, great is your faith. Go your way. But you notice, after she heard that, she left. And that same hour, the devil left left uh, her daughter. But let me read another scripture to you. Matthew chapter 14, verse 29 through 31. So he said, come. And when um, Peter had come down out of the boat, this Peter walking on water, he walked on water to go to Jesus. Notice he was walking, he was operating in faith, right? But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and cut him and said to him, O ye, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? The point is, if you have little faith, you will doubt. If you have strong faith or great faith, there is no room for doubt. There's a big difference here. If you have little faith, your I mean great faith, your daughter is going to be healed. If you have little faith, you will doubt and you will sink. There is a difference. Why little faith? What is the cure for little faith? Why little faith? 
I'm going to say to you, there are two reasons why people have little faith. Two reasons for little faith. Number one, you don't have enough information. That's number one. You don't have enough information. If you don't have enough information, you don't know the word very well, you don't have insight from God, you don't have revelation from God, from his word, remember, word, you won't have faith enough. You'll have little faith. That's number one. The second one is you have enough information, but you haven't thought it through. You haven't spent time enough to think it through so that this will work for you. You have enough information, but you haven't thought it through. So you have little faith. Let me explain this. Um, the woman who had the issue of blood, the Bible says she heard about Jesus, right? She thought it through. And she decided in her mind, this is what I'm going to do. You remember that? And if I do this, this is going to work for me. And so she went, talking to nobody. She had great faith, and Jesus said great, the faith was great. And she trusted Jesus because she thought it, uh, you know, thought it through in her mind. Let me read this to you. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 8 through 11. Jesus was talking to his disciples. This is the key. Thinking it through. That's what we're talking about. Thinking something through. Something has happened, but you haven't really thought about it. That happens a lot among believers. You see some God do something, but you're not really meditating on it. You just let it go. And when you don't think about it, the end of it is you don't receive remor and you don't have great faith inside of you. Now, let's read this scripture. It says, when Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, right? Why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? You know why? They were not thinking. Then he gave them the reason why they were reasoning and had little faith because they hadn't thought these things through. He said, do you not yet understand or remember? Don't you remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? No, the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the living of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Notice, the first thing he said to them is, O oh, you of little faith. Why? Because they didn't consider what the miracles that they've seen before. They didn't think it through. And in fact, it, in another scripture, he says their heart were hardened because they didn't consider the loaves and the multitude. They didn't think about it, so their heart were hardened. When you don't think through a, a word of God and spend time thinking, you don't have enough, enough faith. 
you will always have that little faith that cannot carry you through. And you will not understand the word of God. You don't have revelation. Because most people are not thinking. And most of Christians think everything in the natural. They're trying to figure it out. They're not thinking in the supernatural, what God has done. Many people have come and they say, well, if God did this for this person, right? And they keep thinking it in their mind. And guess what happens? Their faith grows. They may not have a whole lot of knowledge, but they have a lot of faith. They have a lot of faith. Have you wondered in, uh, many times in the church, you have people who are seasoned Christians, and they've been praying for something for 10 years, can't get an answer. They don't have an answer. And here comes this guy. He walks in, all tattooed up, piercings all over the place, nose, tongue everywhere. And he walks up, and he hears the word of God. He sees one person healed, and he's, man, I got to have that. He can't wait, right? He walks up, and he says, put your hand here, pastor. I'm going to get it. It's not how long you've been a Christian. It's whether you're thinking through the power of God and you're meditating on it. And you don't have to take a long time to do that because you consider it. The Christian person, the believer, the seasoned saint, he's meditating and thinking about his good works and how he deserves to be healed. And all of that, he's not operating in faith. He doesn't know how to receive from God. He's thinking his works is going to be good enough, and that's not where he's at. So he never receives. He doesn't have the winning faith. Amen? He doesn't have the winning faith. The winning faith comes through meditation, thinking through what God says, and meditate in, in meditating in that. Remember what the word says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. And in do, so doing, you will be able to do what is written in it. And then you will now make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Our Christians are not thinking on these things. So you meditate on the fact that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And you keep saying that and believe in that, and trusting in God for that. And so no matter what comes at you, no matter what you see with your eyes, you'll stay with God's word, and you cannot be moved. Not how many scriptures you know, but what you have taken, thought through it, meditate on it, and accept for your life. That's what's going to give you the winning faith. Amen? And that's going to deliver you from fear, from anxiety and all of that because you're meditating. You don't have to know a lot of scripture. You can just know one that you think on and meditate on and pull it to yourself and say, if he did that for me, I don't have to have this. And then you go after the enemy because from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent ones take it by force. But you can't do that unless you've really got considered the word of God and I'm going to continue next time. The second way is to know the scriptures, and we're going to talk about that. Now stand up with me tonight.
we're going to do something tonight. The first thing that a Christian needs to do is to get rid of the fear of whatever is coming at you. And trust him. Just like a child. You need to think about this. I love looking into the sky and just looking at everything that God has made. And I say, if that God is in me, is living in me, I got nothing to worry about. That's not scripture, but it's also scripture. Amen? I'm looking at everything. I'm considering, considering his works, the works of his finger, the works of his hand. And I'm saying, if that God is, a, is alive inside of me, and the Bible says Jesus is in me, I have nothing to worry. And so you can trust God. Whatever the problem is today, please believe that God can help you. Everyone is dealing with something. But can you trust God for your problem? What is that? What is it in your life that you need God to do for you that is important to you? Would you believe God for that tonight to change that thing? I mean, you have that something in your life that you want God. Let me see your hand up. So something in your life that you want God to change. But question is, do you expect God to do that tonight? If we pray tonight, if I tell you tonight, God's already at work in that, on that thing, and I say, it, are you going to look at me and say, how does he know? That's unbelief. Because I represent him tonight. Amen. And if we pray this prayer before him tonight, I'm going to let you know that God has released his mighty angels and they are at work. Just wait. Wait patiently for him and see what God does. If it's for some other person, wait patiently and begin to look with expectation that God is going to change the situation. He'll meet you where you are. That's all about faith. It's the winning faith. Let's pray about that tonight. I'm going to give you a little time to talk to God about what that is. It doesn't have to be real long. You can just be thinking about it. And tell God, I want you to do this for me. Not because of what you've done, by grace. Only two grace. Yes, it may look impossible. But God specializes in the impossible. Amen. And he's going to change that. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, we thank you for the, for the impossible things that you are making possible for our lives right now because we are calling on your name. Your word is clear. Ask and you shall receive. Knock, the door will be open. Seek and you will find. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks receives. Say with me, I'm receiving tonight my miracle. Thank you, Jesus. It is written, everyone who asks receives. And I believe tonight that I have received. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that's already on its way to my life. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.